hello everybody. We are finally back. There's hello. Been... Hi, Carlos is here as well. Sorry, I always do that. <laughs> <laughs> we are back. Who's we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, bit of a delay again. Uh, again, in, in quite a habit of doing this <laughs> now. Sorry about that. But uh, yes, I think the way things are going, we are providing you episodes as and when we can. We as and com- when we, we can. We can't commit to a definite timeline, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, when there's one ready, we'll get it up here for you. So sorry about the delay. Definitely. Yes, we are going to go through the usual, uh, what we've been up to since the the last gap. We've uh, been watching, reading a few things together, I think we've we? got a good bit to catch up on now it's yeah, been definitely about two weeks now i'd say yeah it has at least i can start us off if you like with uh something i've been watching recently enough it's not i wouldn't say it's brand spanking new but uh mm-hmm. i guess i would have checked it out a couple of weeks ago so it was probably new enough then but um it's a uh three-part drama on bbc iplayer uh, called time which is written by Jimmy McGovern. For anyone who isn't really familiar with him outside of the UK, he's had quite a long, successful career in British TV over the years. Um, sort of shows like in the 90s, things like The Lakes and Robbie Coltrane, sort of starring detective series Cracker. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, which was yeah. very groundbreaking at the time and really did change the face of television quite a bit uh, well before anyone was chatting about HBO dramas or mm. the golden age of ter- television sorry coming across the the pond from America mm-hmm. and this stars you've got Sean Bean uh, as a man who has been sentenced to four years in prison for killing somebody while drink driving and oh, oh is Stephen Graham in that as well he is yeah I was just I about have. to say yeah, I've Stephen Graham for this. is in it. Yeah, he plays a uh, Stephen Graham's character. He's a prison officer that's dealing with uh, Sean Bean and the rest of the inmates as well. Yeah. What I really enjoyed about the show, though, is that it sort of takes some more of the typical prison drama tropes, but it puts it through a more sort of thoughtful process and sort of points out like the hopelessness of the prison system, and it kind of questions the effectiveness of the prison system solving the problems of the prisoners being there in the first place and things like that. So it's quite a, at times, angry piece of work, um, also very heartfelt, compassionate at times, take Mm. on that subject matter, which makes for a bit of a change. But without spoiling things too much, you also get this great, like, conflicting hook in the setup with Stephen Graham's character, he, uh, like I say, he's this prison officer who sort of finds himself at one stage in the plot at threat from one of the inmates and that kind of leads to pretty severe consequences in his life. I won't say too much about that, but that really does kind of grab you as a viewer uh, what's going on with his character as well. And both of them um, give really, really strong performances uh, Mm. that make it well worth watching. Sean Bean, he does a great job of making you kind of feel quite a lot towards this alcoholic ex-teacher that he plays um sort of the moment that he enters the prison you're kind of equally as sort of scared and confused as his character watching it and then Stephen Graham's great as well like his character they kind of it's really smartly done so like they just stew him under a bunch of pressure as the story develops and you're just waiting for him to explode like any moment which uh you know as an actor he's brilliant at that that type of performance 
Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of mainly about watching those two characters, I suppose, take these parallel journeys through the prison system and then seeing where they end up at the end. That kind of, that gives the show this real emotional kick. Um, mm-hmm. Like you still get all the usual sort of typical moments of a prison drama. You get like inmates fighting and you get cell attacks and you've got the kingpin who rules the prison from within and all that sort of stuff that, you know, you've seen quite a few times before. Yeah. Um, but the main reason to watch, I'd say, is just how Jimmy McGovern tells the story. It's really grounded and compassionate, like I say, mm-hmm. in how it deals with the characters and deals with the ideal, uh, sorry, the idea of uh, of being in prison in the first place i'd say like if you just wanted to watch something that was exciting and satisfying to watch in a, a genre sense you know like with a, the tropes in there but also has something else going on with it it's like it's a like I say a very human story that you'll you'll actually yeah. feel quite moved in the end it's a it's an interesting one worth checking out he does a really good job in three three parts um possibly an hour in length each um it feels like a very satisfying long film Okay. Rather than a mini series, I'd say. And is it a mini series? Are they going to do more, or is it that's finished? Uh, it's a one-off drama. Yeah, it's uh, oh, okay. it, it, it doesn't strike me that there's anything coming after it. But um, yeah. like I say, it does feel like maybe a, a BBC-funded extended movie than, yeah. uh, than it would feel like a, a mini series. Like I say, maybe it could have done with it. I don't. I think it was the perfect size for what it was. <clears throat> yeah. It didn't feel like it needed extra episodes to pad it out or anything. It's kind of effectively did what it needed to do in those three episodes and did it yeah. quite well. Cool, I'll check that out then because I saw the trailer and I saw a review for it um, just talking about, you know, oh, Sean Bean is back and he's great. And yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I saw a, an older, gruffer looking Sean Bean. I'm like, yep, I'll watch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember what series it was. It was another Jimmy McGovern series, possibly Moving On or something. There's, there's a series that he's been doing... Uh, like an anthology series at least he I say he's been doing this is me thinking like through the decades but maybe this is like around the early 2010s or something like that it might have been a, before then but there was a, a series where there was one called The Street that he did as well I think but Moving On was what he kind of was the showrunner of but other writers got involved as well but there was one drama on that I think where he directed Sean Bean. Sorry, he wrote for Sean Bean again. Right. And he was playing uh, uh, this Scouse drag artist in that. And it was completely, he was so cast against type for what you'd imagine Sean Bean to be playing. And it's such I a brilli- brilliant brilliant performance. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Very good. Um, so the two of them have like worked along side by side. I imagine Stephen Graham. I can't quite remember. I'm sure they've probably worked together again mm-hmm. in some other show like that as well before. But uh, yeah, he's very good with those types of sort of a I guess like down to earth working class British actors he's very good at working with that type of actor and writing great dialogue for them and stuff and yeah great characters yes so uh, that was very enjoyable Um, the I guess another thing just worth throwing in the last few minutes here um, crime related as well uh, that I was watching on another British streaming service on Channel 4 On Demand there was a a documentary that was I think it's been on the, on that service for a while now I'm not sure when it actually aired on Channel 4 but it was called I think it's called Murder in the Car Park or Murder in a Car Park um, it was quite an interesting documentary very well put together uh, about 
an investigation into a murder that took place, I think, in 1980, very the early 80s, um, in a car park somewhere in London. Uh, this private investigator was murdered uh, with an axe to the head. Well, uh, quite a grisly murder. There was investigation at the time towards an involvement with that. So the, the guy that ran this private investigation firm with another guy, they had close connections with the local police department. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was there were some accusations of police involvement um, in the murder, and this documentary spans through the decades. This has been one of the the longest ongoing murder cases in British sort of trial history. Yeah, and uh, to the point where it's actually been in Parliament and discussed publicly with the Prime Minister and stuff at times. That's still um, being investigated into, but it's it's unusual because the the same people keep on being accused of the crime who are ex-police officers, but they always are kind of let off every single time the case has come up in courts. Right. And uh, they interview those individuals and some other people about the crime. But the way it's told is quite interesting because it's kind of done in a time where, if anyone's familiar with the TV show Life on Mars or um, uh, what was it, Red Riding, that very good drama um, with Sean Bean in again, I think, actually. And... Uh, uh, Andrew Garfield was in that as well. Okay, uh, Robert Sheenan. That's very good drama. Uh, what I'm getting at is that this is uh, one of those things where it's set in a time where British policing was very different, and you're dealing with kind of like borderline alcoholics, and mm-hmm. you know these bolshy kind of like slightly misogynistic figures in the police force. These kind of sort of uh, quite leery fellas <laughs> yeah. um, running the show. And uh, the guys they interview are still a bit like that. So it's quite fun watching some of these characters get interviewed and stuff. And when they're in the reenactments, the actors that they have playing them and stuff are kind of uh, playing that type of persona as well. So it's it's just interesting to see a different era of the, the British police force and stuff like that on screen, Yeah, um, which gives it a different tone. Like as you're watching it as a the typical true crime thing, you know, you've seen a hundred times before, but this having that kind of tone makes it a bit more engaging mm. to watch as well yeah um, but it's interesting enough I was quite fascinated by the end of it and I still wasn't 100% certain you can't quite figure out uh, maybe the truth maybe nobody ever will but um, it's right. certainly it's certainly interesting watching some of the characters that they get like it there's some pretty nasty pieces of work in it <laughs> yeah uh, that they interview I think yeah. uh, sticking on just as a little tag on the end of that now sticking on the crime thing I'm, I, I am not yet ready to give my whole thoughts on it, but I am four episodes into Mayor of Easttown now on oh, your yeah, yeah. recommendation. Mm-hmm. And um, it's great. It's a great fun. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I have found it to be very standard kind of crime detective murder mystery, small town, colourful yeah. cast of characters type of story so far. Um, you know, detective, the depressed detective with a with an eventful past kind of stuff um but yeah i'm really 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 enjoying it so i will finish off the last couple of episodes of that now and perhaps for the next um the next show we can go into some spoilers yeah on that one yeah you mentioned you mentioned to me didn't you, you said well, whilst you're watching it the other night you mentioned in the text your comparisons to the killing and stuff like that yeah and, uh, so many yeah. so many um similarities to the killing even yeah. in the themes even in the yeah the family, the dad going after the wrong guy and the, you know, just yeah. a lot of elements about it. The 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 mother, they're the detective mother with relationship issues with her son and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, you know. 
facts. Yeah, it's, I'll be interested to see what you think by the time it's you've got to the end of it, and by the time yeah. it's closed, like what the overall experience is. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. But uh, I can understand, like say, it being familiar and kind of it's very tropey so far. Yeah, like very into a lot of those I, conventions of that type of thing. I have seen before. I have <laughs> guessed everything in the first four episodes. I'm like, that's going to happen. And then two minutes yeah. later, yeah. Oh yeah, the priest is going to be a bit dodgy. There you go. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That that side of it, even though it was, you know, it's engaging. I think it's very smartly written in the sense that like when you're watching stuff and an episode ends, you still, even though that side of it is very formulaic, you still like, yeah. it grips you and you're kind of wanting to know what happens in the next one. But oh, absolutely. Me, yeah, for me, the most interesting aspect of the show is just watching that character kind of go through this journey they go on and seeing them kind of deal with their own issues. And by the time it's closed, I thought it, it does that in a very satisfying way um, mm-hmm. and surrounded by these other very lively sort of interesting characters in the town itself as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I found that that more of a hook for the show for me as, as to what made it stand out than maybe the the crime side of it and the detective side of it which is okay i've seen that like say quite a few yeah. times before yeah but yeah be interested we'll definitely have to discuss that when you get to the end of it it's not really a complaint either because yeah. i you you know you killed someone in the first episode i'm gonna watch it all to find <laughs> out who did it you know no matter yeah. what's going on in the background it doesn't really uh, yeah affect it in any way but yeah we can talk about that now when i when i finish that cool Yeah, so in our kind of, jeez, I feel like a lot has happened in the two weeks since we've been on, because I've been on this, like, rabbit hole journey through a wormhole in space-time kind of thing, <laughs> right. where uh, I I have not rediscovered, but I am, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for any number of episodes, you'll kind of know that I have a very phasey and wavy type of... Uh, <laughs> trend to the things that I consume so I'll go months and months with devouring reading watching a lot of the same kind of vibe or some kind Mm -hmm. of thing that I'm really into in that moment if you know we were just talking about crime I might get into mayor of Easttown might send me down a spiral of wanting to rewatch the killing or wanting to rewatch Luther or Sherlock or things with an interesting detective and a murder mystery blah 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 but lately I have been venturing out into the universe with um, kind of hard science fiction and high concept sci-fi and just losing myself in in that kind of stuff. So um, it kind of originated when I was reading the tail end of Jonathan Hickman's um, Secret Wars book. For anyone that doesn't know, it's kind of his culmination of the years he spent working for Marvel through mm-hmm. a Fantastic Four and his Avengers runs. And it's all very, you know, quite high concept science fiction. It's it's very, it's it's not superhero stuff, basically. Well, it, obviously it is, but it's it's quite different in tone to anything else that is, that's out there. So, but I found the end, the Secret Wars, there were so many cool ideas in it that the fact that it was only eight issues long or eight chapters long made me want more. So I started to go to my other bookshelf and look at some of the kind of hard sci-fi I'd read as a teenager, as a kid. And, you know, I have books like Ender's Game or like the Asimov Foundation 
uh, series mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I wanted to rediscover a lot of that. I texted my uncle, do you have any recommendations? He's a huge science nerd. He's actually a, got a PhD in physics, so he's okay. <laughs> hard sci-fi. <laughs> uh, so I was like, do you have any recommendations just to ease me back in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I got a couple of recommendations off him and I picked up, I bought, I got two actually for my birthday, which was recently enough as a present. And um, I picked one up myself that I read and I really enjoyed. And it is by John Scalzi. A novel, by the way, if that is not clear to anyone. <laughs> it's <laughs> called Old Man's War. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I have a couple of issues with it, but it, it was nice to get me back into this mood now. And I've since bought a few more books that I'll be reading and chatting about over the next few months, I'd say. Or the next few weeks, depending. Because if when I get down these rabbit holes, I <laughs> blast through stuff. So the gist about Old Man's War is... It's quite simple, actually. It's about an old man. Um, he's 75, and in this futuristic Earth, so it's set, you know, a couple hundred years in the future, Earth have gone out to colonize space, basically. And um, there's an army called the Colonial Defense Forces that are kind of separate now to Earth's governments and all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they actually recruit retired people or people who have just turned 75 and they recruit them into the army. And what they do is basically imagine, this is the gist of the book actually, I'll, I'll explain it a bit more informally. Imagine you buy your 75 year old granddad who's a bit senile, a little bit like, ah, I'm too old for this shit now. Imagine you buy him an iPad with all of the information available to him at, at a, like a touch of a button, but you implant that in his brain <laughs> mm-hmm. and you let it talk to him. It's like Alexa in his brain. And okay. then you send them off to fight aliens in a war of colonialism <laughs> throughout the galaxy. <laughs> and you also put him in his 20 year old body at like peak physical capacity, uh, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah, And the whole book is essentially just, it's a bit of a playful metaphor on getting old and technology advancing so quick that it's beyond the concept of someone of that age, maybe, or mm-hmm. even though this is set in the future and this person is quite, you know, okay with technology, you know, um, it's still technology advances at a rate every 30 years that you know in 30 years you're gonna be behind again you know so it's quite good and i enjoyed that it it wasn't all bleak and misery and it was a bit of fun um you know a lot of hard sci-fi is quite you know the future is shit (laughs) there is no (laughs) happiness (laughs) but um this one was quite fun and john scalzi writes with quite a sense of humor Gonna, it sounded quite satirical. That it is a what you bit. just described. What you described there, yeah. that little setup. It sounds smart. Like I, I like the sound of that. It is. It's quite good. Um, I will say I'll, I'll get into some of the things I didn't quite like in a bit, but the dialogue is wicked smart. <laughs> it's quippy. <laughs> it's witty, and that kind of dry humor of it. He really does write that old man humor really well you know that kind of grumpy uh thing so the we'll call it alexa the alexa in his brain 
he joins up uh, to the army with the notion that, right, they're going to put me in my younger body and I'm going to go out and do stuff. And he's 75, so he doesn't care anymore. It's like a new adventure because what's he got to live for now? Like the book opens up. The first line is when I turned 75, I visited my wife's grave and I joined the army. And I was like, oh, I'm hooked. <laughs> um, so anyway, they implant this sentient kind of device in his head and it gives him information and it can sync up with like his weapon and stuff like that. And it talks to him and then you can name the thing in your head. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like this this other character. And of course, like he names it asshole and <laughs> the just asshole. And the team, the entire team uh, of people, of recruits that he joins up with, they all give the thing horrible names and they all take the piss out of everything around them. And they're all, this is all a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Look at all these young people or <laughs> whatever. And it's quite fun. Um, and the dialogue is quite, it reads, it reads like it would do well in a movie, which is mm-hmm. quite good. And it was, it was good to ease me back into some of these harder science fiction books i wouldn't call this a hard science fiction book at all though it's quite and that i think that was one of my maybe um complaints about the book it the world building itself wasn't quite up there but it is only the first book in a series so i'm sure if i pick up another few of them yeah he'll expand on the ideas that i was quite interested in um so how is it sorry just to ask you a question yeah. about it how is how is it that they um you mentioned that they inhabit their 20, 20 body of yeah. their 20s. Like, what is how, how is he 75, but he's still he's, like, he, they, is it like Avatar? Is it like Avatar? Is he like ported into yeah. another vessel that is? It's, yeah. it's a little bit like reverse Ender's game, do you know? <laughs> okay. um, so, what they do is they basically take his consciousness and they have recreated a kind of cloned superior body of mm-hmm. his DNA and then they right. just plant his or they pluck his consciousness from his old body and they put it in right. his new one and there's an actual scene where that happens where right. he's in a room with his younger body and he's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> and then he wakes up in the older one and then he just or in the younger one and he sees the old one just get like kind of fucked away like kind of right so it's so it's a full it's a full conversion yeah. it's not like uh what i was trying to figure out in my head is if it, he's not like piloting this thing it's no. not like avatar where he's like piloting this thing oh from no 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 the young the older body the older body is gone he's like he's ri- he's yeah. upgraded yeah and i really yeah. like that okay, cool. uh i really like that scene actually as well because you get this sense of like oh well clearly my older body was useless <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they just like throw it away and it's like oh that's gone to the incineration now or something and it's quite funny like it's it's dark but it's dealt with in a way that i i enjoyed the book because it dealt with it in that tone you know and it was quite mm-hmm. satirical in a way but as the book progresses it gets progressively as the book progresses it gets progressively that was too <laughs> anyway um as it goes on it gets progressively darker and it starts to like pull back the humorous layer and it says well like what is really the meaning of all of this and 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 i, and I like mm-hmm. that and i wanted more of that but we didn't quite get enough of it so i will continue with the 
the yeah. series. I think there's six or seven books. Um, my uncle said that the first three are really good and then after that kind of gets a little repetitive, but I'll keep yeah. going and, and see how it is. But my one kind of major gripe with the book, though, apart from the maybe the lack of exploration or the thinly layered exploration of some of these ideas and themes and stuff is more so that the supporting characters felt all a bit samey. Mm-hmm. They all had a distinct personality, but it was the same personality across the board, you know? Right, yeah. So they all kind of turned into cannon fodder by the end of it, and you're like, right, well, mm-hmm. we're meeting this person, and this person is going to die, you know? And it's yeah. going to be there. And But you don't quite get that attached to them. Um, so, yeah. It sounds like the kind of high-concept story that uh, that is that have enough, like, in the bare bones that was, like, fun and interesting about it that if they th- if it was the 1980s yeah and that book was around then some exec would like turn it into an totally, arnie vehicle totally. <laughs> like, like yeah. you'd end up with some arnold schwarzenegger sci-fi you know what i mean like i'm thinking total recall that Absolutely. kind of thing yeah. they'd kind of ditch maybe some of the subtlety or something first and think a bit more over the top but uh yeah i'm i don't know why i'm imagining my in my head uh a Elderly Tommy Lee Jones converted into the body of Arnie. <laughs> That's perfect. That's actually perfect. Yeah. But yeah, like it, but the same way that they did with those Philip K. Dick stories that are great books, you know, like yeah. The yeah. Running Man or Total Recall or these kinds yeah, of things yeah. that they're just then turned into dumb action, which I still like. Um, yeah, yeah. I love all those Arnie movies, but yeah, they kind of, they would miss out on those little. I don't know, those little things that make the story what it is, you know? Yeah, cool. But anyway, I really liked it. I, I would have liked more maybe exploration on what the what the war really was about and the colonialism and the effects and the idea of colonialism and what it means. And because at the start, they're, you know... The main character is quite detached from everything. He's just going on an adventure because he's old and he doesn't give a shit anymore. And mm-hmm. but then as you progress, and he's there's a great scene where they go to this planet where it's the closest the DNA of this species is to humans that they found. I said that weird, but they found their closest in DNA structure to mm-hmm. the, this new planet, except that they're like an inch tall. So all of the humans on this planet that they go to are all an inch tall and he walks around the battlefield stomping on them like ants and he has this moment of realization stomping on these one inch tall alien humans and he's just like what am i doing you know what is the meaning of it and it's a good little scene and i would have wanted maybe a little bit more of that but i again mm-hmm. my complaints are are just based on the first book like it's a whole series so I'm intrigued okay. to to go forward with it. Um, there's a lot of, and it's by no means a pro-military novel at all, even though it might seem like it at surface mm-hmm. level. It's it's quite clever in the in the fact that all the characters are just as detached as we are from these concepts. And when you really think about the idea of war or colonialism and militarism, it's it's fucked up, like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know we all know it's fucked up, but we don't think about it in our day-to-day lives, really. Um, But yeah, it was interesting. 
I, I, I very much enjoyed it. And now I've, I've picked up the next two, um, which I won't get around to yet because I have also bought another few, maybe uh, in different tones and some maybe harder sci-fi and some maybe lighter sci-fi. I've, mm-hmm. I picked up The Martian uh, by Andy Weir because I've, I still haven't gotten around to reading that. So yeah, I read um, that at the time before the movie came out. Yeah, I enjoyed a lot of it, mm-hmm. um, but there was something about it as well. There was, right. this, <laughs> I don't know why. I, 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 it's, it's, it's very. I guess it's because the character's so cocky. Yeah, like uh, there is. The, I mean, it's super smart, like the way it's written and stuff. But mm. it, there's something slightly amateurish about the writing as well. When I was reading, I don't know. It feels like it feels like somebody trying to figure out their their voice as a writer a little bit as well. Yeah. This is his it, first it, book. It, yeah, was yeah. it his first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you can tell that a bit. But, yeah. um, but it's a, it's an engaging story and it's fun to be the character. But I think um, the difference between that and the movie, I actually, uh, probably one of the few people that I, uh, at the time, like I wasn't much of a fan at all of the movie because I think really? it missed out on it mm. missed out on some of that kind of energy. And yeah. like I say, even, even though in the book he was cocky, yeah. that kind of like smug kind of energy of there was there's like this just real sort of irreverent kind of edge to the book with the character you yeah. kind of like you read it and that was lost a bit in the movie like in the movie didn't really have that feel about it and i feel they like they missed, that they missed a trick I, I like mac damon's performance yeah. don't get me wrong it was definitely there but i think there was there's just some of the smarts missing a little bit uh from the novel in the yeah in the movie adaptation even though i enjoyed a lot of it but yeah i don't know it's funny because I, I love that movie and i kind of think mm. that the character is quite cocky in the movie and that's yeah, a big is, charm yeah. of the, but yeah it'd be interesting now to go back and read the book but yeah. the reason i bought the book is that i picked up his latest one that just came out like two weeks ago or three weeks mm-hmm. ago it's called project hail mary okay. um and apparently from what i hear and what i've read it is brilliant and it's really yeah. him coming into his own now um cool they've said it's better than they reviewers I have seen have said it's better than The Martian and his second book Artemis which I also have not read but yeah, I figured I'll read The Martian and see and then read Project Hail Mary and see how you know they compare to each other but anyway that's cool. kind of the little spin I'm on at the moment I'm on this wild sci-fi exploration phase so you'll be hearing more books from me more sci-fi for the, the next uh, the next few weeks. Um, cool. So yeah, that's me. So yeah, that's basically the rabbit hole or wormhole that I'm going down <laughs> at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, Dino, I understand that there is a show that I recommended that you perhaps may have watched. What did you think? Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, so the other the other show I watched and uh, began to dip my toe into, uh, and also comic wise, I might mention is uh, Sweet Tooth, which very cool. As you just said, you've recommended in its comic form to our listeners before, and um, you also mentioned last time that it's been adapted into a new series by Netflix. Yeah. So I decided to binge the first season. And for the most part, I really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I do have a few things that I wanted to discuss with you about it. Um, yeah. 
I started reading a couple of issues of the comic after, and I kind of noticed a very different tone from the show um, with <laughs> yep. the comic. I was kind of getting more of a feeling of like this bleak apocalyptic tale, something like The Road, yeah. maybe. And instead, uh, with the show, I guess you get more like a whimsical approach. Um, it struck me that it maybe wants to be something a bit more like um, Spike Jones, Where the Wild Things Are, that kind of yeah. thing a little bit. Um, and the changes between the two, I guess, they'll become more apparent to me as I kind of carry on with the comic. But my kind of like the immediate things that I noticed from when I started the comic was, I guess, the character of, is he called the Big Man? Or Big, Big Man? Man. Yeah, yeah, Jebred, Big Man. Yeah. Uh, who I actually, to be fair, preferred so far in the show at least. Because um, in the show he's kind of like this reluctant protector of Sweet Tooth. Yeah. Uh, he was like this ex-football star before the pandemic hit and um, he's had to live with kind of doing a lot of bad things to survive Sorry, after that. That reminds me on one very small point and I'm going to say it now yeah. before I forget. That, yeah, sure. That, ver- that irked me. Mm-hmm. So just as a very small <laughs> side point, Jeff Lemire, who wrote the comic, is Canadian. So in the comic, he's mm-hmm. a very famous hockey star. Ah, okay. And now the Americans have gone and changed it to this football quarterback kind of guy. And that just just rubs me up the wrong way because it doesn't add anything to the story. It doesn't, you know, why? Yeah. Why? Anyway, go on. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I got what you mean. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't know that at this stage in the comic yet. I didn't get to that bit, but... um, and in the, the character in the comic, at least at this stage, I'm very, very early on, by the way, I might mention, mm. um, he comes across more of like this mean sort of ruthless killer type, which is is a character I always enjoy watching in any story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like there was a little bit more subtlety and not complexity. Uh, I know that's hard to judge because I'm very, very early on with the comic, but all I'm saying is like at this stage, I was finding myself preferring that character in the show and at least the actor that was playing in the performance from him was was yeah. good as well. Um, Wait Gus, a little while, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> um, Gus is obviously much younger in the show than the comic. Um, yeah. Sweet Tooth, sorry for anyone who's not familiar. Um, and the young actor playing him, he's very sweet and likeable enough to watch on screen, but I felt like you might get a lot more complexity out of the character in the comic seeming that like he seems to be a lot more mature in age in the mm. comic by comparison of like what they've done with the show um there's nothing wrong with that but i just guess i feel like you might miss out a little bit in the tv show yeah with what could have been a bit more of an interesting take i guess as the show carries on the actor will age and that yeah. will develop but uh but yeah that was my observation with that um the highlight for me though with the show was uh he's always excellent uh a deal actor as dr singh brilliant yeah and yeah his wife who's like equally well played uh eliza villani who plays the wife uh the two of them dealing with that like paranoid community yeah. uh hiding his wife's sickness from them uh that created all the best moments of the show for me yeah. um i love the two of them on screen and all that sort of stuff that was i guess more towards the first half that held my attention Hmm. That those parts a lot more and then the second it began to wane a little mainly for me due to they introduced a character possibly aimed at a more young adult demographic who is pretty much strikes me as being like this idealistic sort of mix of like Che Guevara Greta Thunberg and maybe like 
one of the lost boys from Peter Pan or something. <laughs> yeah, um, who is not a character in the comic, and I that's did not, very interesting. That's did not what like I was her going to ask you. Yeah, the tone of those scenes for me felt quite off kilter with the rest of the show up to that point. Yeah, but I kind of understand them wanting to attract an, a younger audience to the show. That kind it. of makes sense. Yeah, uh, but some of that felt a little bit forced, like yeah. it was done by committee of like how can we attract the kids to this yeah uh, and uh i guess to go to some of the things that i wasn't too keen off with the show that relate to that a little bit one of those is also the soundtrack which has some brilliant choices in it mm-hmm. but also occasionally because of that feeling that i've got of like the the heads of this show wanting to appeal to the youth market or something some i know weird, that's just like a grumpy old man yeah some real syrupy dross yeah like floated in there as well at times where I was just like whoa I'm not sure that musical choice but I know that's a taste thing yeah Um, and also taste wise for me anyway uh, the show is really lacking an interesting villain Mm -hmm. and that's down to the casting of an actor who even though I feel like he looks the part 100% yeah I just found his performance really flat and one note he kind of just lacked it's just really bad because he's bad yeah. Did you think he was a bad actor? Yeah, I wasn't sure. He just he's kind of lacked the charisma. No, I the, meant the, the character is oh, just sorry. bad yeah, to be yeah, bad. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm. It kind of lacks that extra dimension, that sort of added charisma that you might get, like if you cast somebody like Gary Oldman or Tom yeah. Hardy. Or like he actually, to me actually as well, like he appears a lot like um, John Malkovich in appearance. Yeah. And I think they should have just cast John Malkovich, to be fair. Like yeah. you would have, you would have just got a much more engaging performance out of it. I know it sounds bad. Like I understand that actors like I'm yeah. not sure what else he's been in, but um, it strikes me that he wants to be one of those types of performers. But it's just not whatever the little spark that's meant to be there that makes you like, oh, yeah. I don't like this guy, but there's also something about his performance that's exciting. Like there's there's that edge missing from that performance, and I think for a show to like at least on the surface, create, set up a villain who's meant to be that way uh, and and certainly looks the part, like I say, looks like he's going to be that type of character. I just feel like the performance lets that down a bit. Um, Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But yeah, I don't know what your thoughts were. Obviously, you've got Mm -hmm. the whole wealth of the comic to compare it to as well at this stage. So Yeah, um, I think there are issues that I have with both. I don't, I actually think Mm -hmm. the story that's there is not told perfectly in either one. Okay. Um, (laughs) And the only kind of issues I have with the comic is that clearly DC tried to push them along to get it out and finish it. And some of the ideas weren't as fleshed out as I think Jeff Lemire wanted them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the... The stuff that I found, the be- the best part of the show for me is exactly what you said, the doctor, Dr. Singh and his mm-hmm. wife in that little community. Not in the book, really. Okay. Um, yeah. you, get, you get elements of it um, in like journal entries, but you don't really learn about the doctor till much later in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt that was a really, that was a really big thing in the show to me that hooked me that made me want to keep watching because all of the other stuff was quite samey and it wasn't interesting enough to really keep me all that engaged mm-hmm. but that stuff with the doctor i found was really really good um i like the choice to go with a different tone and that's mainly just 
my mood in the current state of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I wanted to watch a dreary post-apocalyptic pandemic yeah. TV show right now. So I, I did enjoy that tone um, in the show. And I think it's it's smart of them to go for a family-friendly kind of vibe for it. Yeah. It also gives it something completely different from the book, you know. So if you want the lighthearted take where there's still dark, there's still very dark aspects to the the show. But I think if you want a more lighthearted take on it, you can watch that. But if you want the misery and the dreary, you know, small town, the road kind of vibe, you can go and read the, the comic. But I felt the, the comic ends quite abruptly. He was clearly forced to rush it along a little that was mm-hmm. the i think maybe the one detraction of him publishing it with dc and maybe not image image they can kind of do whatever you want um yeah but yeah they i did not like it actually it kind of aggravated me i did not like that character at all the new character mm. um bear is it is that what her name is yeah, the introduction to that whole pack of characters was uh, very reminiscent with me of um, that real, uh, is it season two of Stranger Things, that yes. episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where you introduce this gang of like, oh, that, oh, it just feels a bit like, yeah. I don't know who's come over. It, I think what irks me about it is it's not so much what, it's not so much, you know, I'm not being a grumpy old man and sort of like, oh, these young characters in this, uh, I can't relate to them. It's not about that. It's the fact that it doesn't feel like it's come from a genuine place. It doesn't feel yeah, like the person that's, yeah, that's come up with those characters actually understands the youth yeah. that he's trying to appeal or that they're trying, attempting to appeal to by creating those characters in the story. Mm. It doesn't feel like that's a genuine reflection of what kids are actually like now or yeah. would be like then you know what i mean it just it feels it's like your uncle your embarrassing uncle trying to figure out buy you buy you something that they think you'll like because you know they understand the kids it's got that quality about it a bit yeah even just the whole thing the, the line of like i hate adults like it's just so ah yeah like you can get your ideas across and not i don't know yeah, yeah that just she kind of rubbed me up the wrong way mm. and i'm sure there's clearly going to be a season two, so I'm sure it'll it'll you know yeah. continue on and develop. But yeah, <laughs> and the fight in the virtual reality. Why were they all fighting virtual reality? Why why were they all in the virtual virtual reality? Sorry, training area. I do not know. With in their animal outfits, fighting through I the trees. Know. I didn't understand. Like, what? Why are they doing that? How yeah. does that teach them how to be any more effective when yeah. they're actually in a forest already? Surely just train out in the forest that you're already in. Like, why do you have to play it in some virtual reality video game? It was to that... have VR in there, you know, it was to have the it's young just, Exactly. Yeah. It, it was a case of like exactly the people who were making the show just thinking like, oh, what? V- virtual reality that's that's the future it's yeah. been the future since the 1980s sorry uh, sorry to point yeah. that out to you creators of this show yeah. but yeah come on wake up a bit yeah but yeah, but yeah so I didn't like her I think I agree with you about um, Jeopard the big man um, mm-hmm. I do I think he's really really good in the show yeah his performance is good I like yeah. I like the character as well yeah. I like him a lot there, there are certain elements that I understand that they had to change to make him a little more likable in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not all that likable till much later um, yeah. in the book. And I think that's very intentional with the tone. He's, he's, 
he's quite violent and you know doesn't make great decisions at all i don't want to spoil it for you if you're going yeah. to continue reading it but oh, okay you know he makes some decisions around a ghost or certain other people that you know he yeah he's not a good guy shall mm -hmm. we say uh, yeah, totally he becomes you know later um as he kind of learns what's important to him and all that kind of stuff but yeah those elements those layers to him his backstory are still also there in in the book and it's quite good and it's a little different but it's um it really when you get to that part in the book then you you kind of your heart sort of bleeds for him a little bit you know mm -hmm. whereas i felt in the show it was maybe watered down a little bit uh mm -hmm. which is fine which is totally fine i think in the show it it works for for what they want to do and i think it's maybe not suitable for young kids because they have some choices in the show that are definitely not for young kids. But the but the overall tone is totally for for like a family friendly. Yeah. Sit down, you know. There is a conflict there, isn't there? At all. Yeah. What I felt watching that, like you say, it's like, it, and it makes the other parts feel jarring when they maybe shouldn't be. Like, yeah. Specifically because... to do with the doctor and the small town, and mm -hmm. that, there's some very dark shit in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was. I liked it. It was. The, Bits of the show being, that I being like most. Being, I'm sorry, but cellophane has never been so scary. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. Whoever came up with that idea, like, no, tying to a chair, but there's something about using cellophane to, yeah. to tie someone to the chair that's just yeah. extra creepy and like and yeah. just uncomfortable to think like, oh, I think it's just because it's so, it's so mundane and everyday. It's like everyone's got it in their cupboard. No yeah. one would think about using it to kill another person, I guess, yeah. unless you're an absolute psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like um, I mean, you know, I hate comparing to the oh the show and the book. Let's look at the uh, they're obviously different things. Um, your brain will obviously compare if you've seen one or read one before the other. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's only natural that we sit here and compare the two. But for me, there are things that I really love about both that are not in the other. And there are things that I kind of dislike about both that are not in the other, and it's it's mm. a very much a much a toss up, and I don't think either one has truly gotten it perfectly uh, yep. down to a T. I think with the book, it's more so down to maybe editorial requirements. You're gonna have to wait for the movie, Carlos. Yeah, <laughs> in ten years' time. <laughs> yeah, it's a comic TV show movie. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good. It it is good and. I was surprised because, you know, Lock and Key was so bad that yeah. I was afraid Netflix were going to just shit the bed with this one. So <laughs> I'm at least thankful that it's quite good. And mm -hmm. I will be there for season two. Um, it wasn't quite as good as maybe season one of Stranger Things of like that top tier quality. Yeah. But then Stranger Things kind of fell off a cliff for me the later it went. So mm -hmm. hopefully this one is on the up. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, settle its teething problems. Right, so I guess we're going to wrap this up towards the, the end now of, a, of another episode for you. Uh, I mean, I repeated it last time. You, you may have forgotten it's been that long ago when we last mentioned it, but um, 
I am so, so close to finishing off Outcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I promise. It's going to happen. There's going to be there's going to be another episode. We hope to record to you as soon as possible uh, in the week, hopefully. Wunderbar. And we can discuss that as well. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I will eventually get to that. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I've been dipping into, which is an ongoing process that I mentioned before, is the shield. I'm I'm well yeah. into uh I'm well into season six of the shield now. There's seven seasons in total. Very I've got nice. all the way through to season six. And uh for anyone who's already watched it or something, oh, I fucking hate Vic so much. <laughs> the main character of the show. Like he oh, oh, so want him to get his come up and um, and they had the genius move you had a couple of stars come into the mm-hmm. show um you had a uh, forest whitaker oh. crop up in the last season as like this uh internal investigate investigations guy has come to investigate uh vic and the rest of his gang and um i'm sure the writers of the show want you to feel oh i don't like this guy he's trying to take down rick and stuff but i actually because it's forrest whitaker and he's just electric anytime he's in anything and he's so cool to watch i just really even though his character's doing unspeakable things at times i'm just really want his character to to succeed through that whole season and even now i'm just thinking like please please just fucking get him like i want you to get him (laughs) that uh that reminds Um, me of David yeah. Morse in I think season four of House. I don't know if you've ever watched yeah. House, okay, but no, I've, I've I know. Do you know David Morse? Um, David Morse. He's the he's the big guy in the Green Mile, the tall guy. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So cool. he he pops up as like an internal investigation kind of person, cop thing, mm-hmm. um, in House to investigate dodgy, shady shit that House does every day in the hospital. And you're yeah. like, he's really good in that role. I also <laughs> kind of like House, but he is a dick and he deserves all of this. You know, yeah, it's yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah, I'll be I'll be curious, like, uh, if you ever get around to um, to checking out the Shield one day, maybe. But uh, especially after our, especially after our conversation that we've had in the past about you and your your feeling towards characters that you openly sort of dislike yeah. like a protagonist that it's hard work because like like I say I, ever since day one since the first episode uh, with that character I've just been like I don't fucking like you yeah and I want to watch you suffer <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and as the show's progressed like he's just become it's mo- even though there are moments where you know I know these writers probably want me to like you and and like the gang that surrounds it, it actually to be fair the people that surround Vic like a uh, um, Walton Goggins is so so good as like as Vic cool. he, he just steals the show as a whole from everybody I mean he's amazing anyway he's a but, great uh, actor he has a field day as like one of Vic's best mates in in the show, um, the character Vic. Sorry, um, and yeah, like yeah, it's he's surrounded by characters that you do like a lot more. But I th- I, I think there's this there's this balancing act with the show of this thing of well, I reckon the writers still probably wanted you to like this guy a little bit more than I do right now. Yeah, uh, and I don't. <laughs> um, but also at the same time, I think they know that this is a journey into darkness. That you're you're watching this character who does deserve punishment to finally, hopefully, get it, or at least to go through this painful process of watching him continue to get away with things all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's very good in that that sense. Like you're just watching some moments and just thinking, like, oh my god, like please, just somebody fucking get the guy. Uh, <laughs> it's quite satisfying in that sense. But yeah, I'm I'm well gripped into that. 
cool. start of season six. And hopefully I could have that finished soon enough. Very cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah. How about yourself? Was there anything else you were dipping into other than what we discussed? Or? Just um, I've started a new book again. Um, it's called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. <laughs> and, um, okay. It is written by Becky Chambers. She's kind of a new voice in the in the hard sci-fi scene. And yeah. um, it's very interesting. It's I picked it up mainly because there's, you know, gender issues and those kinds of elements in the book and, you know, other species that are completely genderless and it's mm-hmm. not, a th- and all these cultural kind of differences. It's basically about a team of like basically drillers um, that their job in this faraway future or not far away, but future galaxy, future time, sorry, that um, basically dig wormholes. Um, okay. So there's this technology available that you can dig a hole, basically a wormhole through space and travel from one planet to another. And they are going to this planet that is that is at war with another planet and they have to, they are contracted, this small team, kind of like, I guess the vibe is kind of like Firefly, like just this small team on a small ship and their interpersonal relationships. They're contracted to dig this hole, this wormhole, very dangerous job. Mm-hmm. And it's about their long way to this small angry planet. And it's just these casts of characters oh, that, that. that may have histories. They're all from different species, cultures, all that kind of stuff. And um, mm-hmm. I'm about 50, 60 pages in. It's, it's, it's really well written so far. It's quite good. So, yeah, cool. that's what I'm doing at the moment. Nice. I like and I'm also that. watching the Euros football all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> you couldn't get any different yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in opinions on football yeah. between the two of us, I imagine. But yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thanks, everybody. Again, we've finally reached the end. As mentioned, we hope to have that episode that has been pending for far too long ready for you yeah uh, the the outcast discussion and then i can finally release the next pop swap choice for you after like uh what is <laughs> it's been longer than a month now hasn't it let's be honest we might be like reaching two, mu- two a two months. month gap now between me giving you a challenge so yeah we'll we'll get there yeah yes thanks again for listening and cool. uh Hopefully, not making any promises as far as <laughs> as far as episodes are concerned. I know that's the worst thing a podcaster could say to their, to their listeners. Like, you want to at least have some rough idea when you're next get an episode. But I'm sorry, we're uh, let's say this time next week. We're let's just, our best. Let's just do it. Let's, let's do just it. do it. Let's, let's just do it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, right. Bye, like guys. and subscribe. <laughs> all the stuff. Oh yeah, do your homework. Do all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> we Bye-bye. should really do that. You know. I guess with a little more professionalism. Please like, subscribe, follow, share, donate on what's it called? Red Circle. Very professional. <laughs> uh, five star reviews. Five star reviews. <laughs> Across the board. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> See you. <Big> <laughs>